It's the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. For House of Cars. It's Monday, January 17th, 2022. I'm Beckler. Shauna's back tomorrow. She's been posting a bit from her adventure out cat skiing, and then I think she's in Fernie right now, and it looks like she was having a good time. So I'm sure we'll get the full story from her when she's back tomorrow and i'm looking forward to having uh, my partner back on the air if you're new to the podcast and you listen via apple podcasts would you consider leaving us a review i realize that most people i think now are listening on spotify i still listen on apple podcasts but we are fewer in numbers than the spotify listeners but any review you leave on you leave on there really helps people find us and helps push us up the charts which is kind of cool today on the show we're going to talk about my mom's latest obsession Jordan Peterson and Elon Musk are out. Someone else is in. We're going to talk... I've, I'm going to talk a lot about Yellowstone. I was catching up on Yellowstone this past weekend. Had some time to myself. You don't have to have seen the show to understand all this stuff. And it's there's no spoilers. So don't worry if you haven't seen Yellowstone. I think this will still be somewhat entertaining for you. We're going to talk about how much money you make. The most interesting topic... I think I've mentioned in the past my dad's theory as to why the Canadian NHL teams haven't had any success, but he put his thoughts all down into one message and sent it to me, and it was really good. And I got a lot of response from it on our text line that we'll probably get into as well. My wife McKenna is back with one more version of her news, but first... The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. On Saturday near my house, I saw two kids rollerblading. Rollerblading. They were with their parents. One had a helmet on, one didn't, and they were rollerblading. That is absurd. There is ice. There is so much gravel. I was thinking when I was growing up, my dad wouldn't let me take my bike out, my bike, until all of the snow was gone. I was the last kid in the neighborhood to have my bike out, let alone my rollerblades. And I'm all for kids getting outside and being active, but within reason. It has to be at least somewhat seasonal. If one of these kids ends up... when, when one of these kids ends up in the hospital, when one of these kids ends up in the hospital, the doctors and nurses are going to be like, you were doing what? You were rollerblading in January? BNS in 20 minutes or less. I spent the weekend catching up on uh, season four of Yellowstone. And if you haven't watched, don't worry, there won't be any spoilers in this. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. And I was really, really digging it until Shauna said that it is a cowboy soap opera. And that's kind of changed my the lens through which I view it because she's 100% right. Still a really good show, but I'm like, yeah, it is, it is totally a cowboy soap opera. It's pretty ridiculous, some of the things that happen in that show. Um, but my dad was, I was talking to my dad and he, he's watching it too. And he's like, everyone is horrible. And all of the characters are just awful people. And it's also, it's difficult to really root for anyone when everyone is so bad. And maybe that's the point of it, right? Maybe the show that everyone is... No one is like there are no good guys and bad guys in the world. Everybody is flawed to some degree, but man, like there are a couple of the ranch hands on this show that are, seem to be decent people, and then everyone else is so compromised. You're just like, I don't know if I can cheer for any of you, which is fairly common in shows these days. I think like the the rise of the anti-hero has been very apparent throughout my lifetime. Like I'm sure it's older than this, but it seems that Walter White in Breaking Bad was kind of the turning point. And then every show after that is based around the anti-hero. Like, Walter White was not a good guy. And yet we all found ourselves more annoyed with his wife, Skyler. (laughs) Like, this poor woman living through this madness. And we're all like, yeah, she sucks. Walter's cool. But there's so many shows like that now. I haven't watched Succession yet, but my dad was saying it's the same thing. Like, everybody's horrible in that show. Um, 
My wife McKenna loves the show Animal Kingdom. I don't know if you've watched that at all. But again, the family is just horrible. You're like, none of you people deserve any sort of success here. Like, you're all very, very bad. I was talking last week about Game of Thrones. And by the end of Game of Thrones, it was sort of the same thing in that show, too. Like, all the characters that I thought were good and just had all compromised themselves by the end. By the end of that show, I was cheering for the White Walkers. Like, I hope all of you people get murked. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Well, Sean is back tomorrow. So for the last time in this little stretch here, uh, my wife McKenna has written her version of the news for you. And she was going to be in here to read it herself this morning when she's getting the boys ready for school. So I will deliver the news. McKenna's. X92.9 News. Hey, guys. The top beauty trend for 2020... Starting the news with a hey guys itself is funny. The top beauty trend for 2022 is surprisingly the return of colorful makeup looks. We're talking goodbye black mascara and hello green mascara. Bright pink lips and eyeshadow that pops. I, for one, am not a fan of this look and will be continuing with my regular makeup look. It seems as though all the looks are going back to what my mom wore in her high school pictures. Bright makeup, loose jeans, and big hair. Remember last time I was on here and was talking about Kendall Jenner's dress she wore to her friend's wedding with all the cutouts? It appears that cutouts are this year's top fashion trend. I guess I was wrong in being so critical of it. If anyone is going to be on top of the fashion trends, it's going to be her. So I'm sorry, Kendall. I'm sorry. Her dress still had way too many holes in it. New Zealand's military on Monday morning was able to send a surveillance flight to Tonga to assess the extent of the damage from a huge undersea volcanic eruption. As I was writing this news, I'm not sure what happened, but it all deleted for some reason. I started to panic as I was almost done, and then my husband Andrew took my phone, gave it a little shake, and then a screen popped up that said, undo cut. Did everyone know you could do that? I was blown away. So there's a little trick for you. And that's my news. And now you're informed, I guess. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. A friend of mine posted on Instagram on the weekend. He had got up early to do a sunrise hike, which is something I've never done and seems a little bit spooky, but also super cool if you could be on top of a mountain to watch the, the sun come up. And this was out near Canmore. So I don't know what time they got up. I've done this hike before, and it's not easy. And when they got up there, it was cloudy. So <laughs> He posted photos, and it was not that impressive. Like, he barely saw the sun peek out. Thinking at least he got the exercise, though. You still get to... It's kind of cool. You get to go up a mountain and then be up there. Like, you could see the lights of Canmore and the lights coming in on the highway and stuff. So that that's cool. You still get the adventure from that. I've never been up a mountain at night like that. I think it'd be cool. Could be worse. Could be like the people who travel to see an eclipse or something, and then it's cloudy. Or even like all the people who have traveled for events like a concert or a sporting event or something, then, then it's canceled because of COVID. That's got to suck too. But the wor- I probably told this story before on the air. The worst one of these that I've ever heard by far. Uh, in the 1700s, there was a French astronom- astronomer named Guillaume Le Gentil. I'm going to say that right, Guillaume. And he was trying to get to India to view the transit of Venus, which is when Venus crosses in front of the sun. And it was part of this like global effort to measure the distance to the sun. And this was going to happen on June 6th. But just to make sure he left enough time, he he left in in March of the previous year. So this is like your dad getting to the airport four hours early for his flight, except Guillaume left 16 months early to make sure he'd he'd be in India when the transit of Venus happened. But after he set sail, uh, a war broke out. He had to switch boats. He got turned away at a port. He hit bad weather. 
and he was still at sea on June 6th, and you can't take precise measurements in astronomy when a ship is moving on the water like that, so he missed it. He, it took him 16 months to get there, and he missed the transit of Venus. But he knew the next transit of Venus was coming in eight years, and he was like, you know what? I'm here. It was so much work to get here. I'm just going to stay, and then I'll measure the next transit of Venus in eight years. So he built a little observatory, and then in 1769, he was ready to go for the next one. It had been eight years, and it was cloudy, and he didn't see anything. And I'm like, that is the most heartbreaking thing I've ever read. And then when he went back to France, he had been declared legally dead because he'd been gone for 11 years, and I guess his letters had got lost due to shipwrecks and the war and stuff, so nobody knew what happened to him. They assumed he was dead. His wife had remarried, and his relatives had plundered his estate and took everything. So he missed two transits of Venus and lived in India for eight years waiting for them and then came back and his life was gone. And we're like, these days we're like, ah, went to Mexico for a week, but it rained for three of three of the days I was there. It wasn't the greatest vacation. Yeah. Talk to Guillaume Legentiel about disappointment when traveling. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I think I've told you in the past about my dad's theory about why Canadian teams are no longer that successful in the NHL and why no one has won the cup for a while. And uh, he sent he sent me this quite long text on the weekend, and I wanted to read it to you. If you're a hockey fan, you might find this interesting because I think he makes some really strong points here. And he was pointing out the fact that if the playoffs started today, only one Canadian team would be in. So I'll just read this to you. He said, there's, there are seven Canadian teams in the NHL and not one has won a cup in almost 30 years. Is it bad luck or is there more to it than that? Prior to play on Saturday night, if the playoffs were to start the next day, only Toronto would be in. A couple of other teams are close, including the Flames and Jets, but take a look at the bottom of the standings and every year, one, two, or three of the Canadian teams are always there. Is that bad luck? The truth is, today's NHL player, given a choice, in most cases would choose to live and play in an American city. Why might that be? Could be climate, tax truck structure, or even just not having the pressure of playing in Canada where people care a lot about hockey. Wouldn't it just be easier to play your game or go to your practice and then drive away in your sports car without having to answer all those questions from the media? So can you tell us what happened on that fourth goal, the defensive coverage breakdown? Can you imagine if we all had to answer those types of questions at our jobs? And he compares it to me and Shauna having to answer questions about like if we booch a joke or something. Noticed a bit of hesitation on your part and a surprise reaction on your part, Shauna. Can you talk about that? Said a friend of mine whose son is in the NHL once told me that a goalie who has played over a thousand games in the league in both Canada and the U.S. told him, if you ever get to choose where you can play, don't play in Canada because it's a graveyard for goalies. In other words, you'll likely be on a weaker team and that will kill your career. Another kid I know has played in California and would come out of his house through his backyard to the boardwalk and beach. How's that backyard looking in Winnipeg right now? If you're lucky enough to attract or draft a great player in Canada, you usually have to overpay them. He mentions McDavid and Dreisaitl. And there isn't enough salary cap left to build a contending team. Speaking of Edmonton, isn't it odd that Ken Holland, being a GM on a Canadian team, is one of the few that believes in second chances or third or fourth or fifth chances, and that's why he's interested in Evander Kane? I haven't heard of any other real Stanley Cup contenders being linked to possibly signing Kane. I guess those general managers don't believe in second chances. Who I feel sorry for... are the fans who spend their hard-earned money year after year believing at the start of every season that they have a real chance at the Cup, when reality, if you look at the stats, they really don't. So that was my dad's take on why Canadian teams haven't been successful in the NHL. I mean, you'll have the outliers, like the Canucks went to the Cup in 2011. Uh, the Canadians did it last year, but, I mean, that's 
That's really a flash in the pan, isn't it? Year over year, Canadian teams tend to be in the bottom half of the league rather than the top. And as the country that like prides ourselves as the hockey country, that's not great. So why is that? And I think my dad makes some really strong points. Is it just that players simply don't want to play in Canada? The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I got a bunch of messages on our text line from response to what my dad wrote there. Overwhelmingly agreeing with him. And I agree too. Some people brought up some additional points, though, that I think should be mentioned. Uh, Rudy said he'd be interested to know how many of how many of the players' contracts have Canadian cities listed in their like no trade clause deals. You know, like I'm, you know, where they can all list cities that they won't play in. Like, I wonder how many times Canadian cities appear on those lists. That would really answer this question for us, but I don't know. That knowledge isn't usually public. Roger also brought up the fact that sometimes the players' families in Canada can even take abuse if they don't play well. He gave the example of Dwayne Rollison. He said he took a bit of abuse. His kid, like, took a bit of abuse in Edmonton. I don't remember hearing that story, but I'll take Roger's word for it. But I think family considerations are big, too. Like, if you are the wealthy wife of an NHL player and you have the choice between, you know, being a millionaire, living in California or Florida or Arizona or Winnipeg, where are you going? It's a no-brainer. VNS in 20 minutes or less. You love your car. Bet you'd love lower interest and lower payments, too. Refinance your auto loan with House of Cars and love the freedom of having more money in your pocket. Visit houseofcarscalgary.com. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I thought of another... Well, I think it's a TV trope. I don't know. You can decide. I, was, I told you I was watching Yellowstone this weekend. Probably going to talk a bit about Yellowstone today and not specifically about the show. So if you haven't seen it, don't worry. But it did inspire a few of the things I'm talking about today. Um, in that show... Kevin Costner, who plays the main guy, calls all of his sons son. Like, he refers to them as son. He'll be like, that's the thing, son. And do people do that in real life? Like, do you refer to your son as son? Or do you refer to them by their name? I don't know. I thought it was weird that he does that. Will Patton is in that show, too. And he calls his son son in the show. Will Patton has a terrific little skullet as well. I don't know if you knew that. He's one of those guys that you definitely recognize. Like when you see him, you're like, I know, I know that, that actor. Maybe don't know his name. He didn't have a skullet in Armageddon. Didn't have a skullet in Remember the Titans. But he was in Gone in 60 Seconds, and he's got a terrific little muskrat in that movie. Same with in Yellowstone. He's got a little skullet in Yellowstone, too. Do people do that, though? Like, do people, Or is it a regional thing? Like, Is that more of an American thing? Is it more of a thing out in the country to refer to your son as son? It's so weirdly formal to me. It's kind of like when people say my mother or my father instead of my mom or dad. Like everybody I know says, oh, my dad, my dad does this. My father works at this. That's so, it's so odd. Like, are you, I have a very good relationship with my father. Are you the heir to something? Like, is your family's name on the library at the university you went to? Why do you talk like that? BNS in 20 minutes or less. I don't know if you're on Reddit or not. Um, There's lots of good stuff on Reddit. It can also be kind of a toxic place at times. Like the Calgary subreddit, not least of all, like there lots of lots of people go there to complain, it seems, lots of unhappy people on there. But the most people on Reddit are anonymous. I think I'm probably one of the few people that actually uses their real name on Reddit. But the anonymity of it makes for some really interesting discussions. And this thread came up on the weekend. Person was asking, what do you do like for work and how much do you make? There are very, very few topics more interesting than that one, hey? 
And like you can Google these things. You can try to find, like, you can use sites like Glassdoor and that to get an idea for what a certain job pays, what you can make in a certain field. But you'll never get better information than from someone currently working in that field, especially if they can be anonymous. It's even more intriguing because we assume the people responding to this are working here in Calgary, so it's it's hyper relevant. And as of right now, almost two thousand people have responded this to this from like every occupation under the sun. Uh, and what I learned is people make both far more and far less than I imagined. There were lots of people responding that are only only making slightly above minimum wage. Lots of people with degrees who made far less than you might expect an educated person to get paid. But then there were lots of responses from people who were making well over 200000 bucks a year. And overwhelmingly, the, the highest paid people responding to this were from the tech world. Lots of software developers, IT consultants. And many of those people said that they were contracted by big American companies and working remotely from here in Calgary. Yeah, I think you also, I mean, you got to keep in mind the demographics of Reddit too, right? It skews young, male, liberal, um, probably less blue collar. There were a few people who responded from like oil and gas who were making big money. There was one person who said they make over $300,000 a year, but they were, uh, they said, they said they spend most of the year working up in Fort McMurray. I can send you this thread if you'd like to, to browse through it, try to find your job and see how you're doing. You might even be able to use it to get a little more money out of your boss. Who knows? Just send me a text, 238-9929. But long story short, it appears there is still quite a bit of money in this city, if this can be believed. Lots of people making good money. But it's probably coming from different places than it was 10 or 15 years ago, even. BNS in 20 minutes or less. I mentioned earlier, a few times actually, that I watch, I'm watching season four of Yellowstone right now. And again, no spoilers here. Don't worry if you're not caught up. But I think a lot of... You know, people like me who grew up in the city haven't spent much time on a ranch or a farm or anything. We kind of really idealize that lifestyle, and it seems really nice. I, I think maybe you disagree. Maybe you're very happy in the city, but I look at that, and I'm like, man, that looks nice. Just being out in the country, have kind of like a fantasy about that. But this show also proves to me how very little I know about that lifestyle. Part of this season revolves around the purchasing of really, really high-end horses, and there's quite a few like really long montages of like showing off how good the horses are. And then one of the characters makes a comment at one point. It's like, that's the difference between a $5,000 horse and a $300,000 horse. And I'm like, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> Honestly, you know, it's not like a vehicle. If you put a $5,000 vehicle or a $300,000 vehicle in front of me, every, I mean, everyone's going to know which is the more expensive car. I don't think I could tell you with a horse. I don't really know what I'm looking for. Like, sure, the horses were impressive that they were riding, but I have no, I have nothing to compare that to. I haven't been on a whole lot of horses in my life. So, you know, if I had a bunch of money and I, and I bought what you could sell me the derpiest horse in the world and you could tell me it was an expensive horse and I wouldn't know. I'd just be like, hey, I think something's wrong with this horse. I think, I think this fancy horse I bought is broken. VNS in 20 minutes or less. My mom retired back in October. She was with the same workplace for 38 years, and I've been kind of keeping you up to date with how she's spending her time in retirement. And she's going through these, like, obsessive phases with certain public figures. Like, at first it was Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson. She was consuming everything Jordan Peterson she could get her hands on, every lecture he's given, books about him, all that stuff. And then... He kind of took a backseat to Elon Musk for a bit. She was really into Elon Musk, and she was sending me, like, 
Elon Musk quotes and you would say, well, this is what Elon Musk thinks about this or this is what Elon Musk does. And I don't really like Elon Musk, so that one was a bit tough for me. But Elon Musk is out. Jordan Peterson out. She's got a new one. Bob Saget. Bob Saget is in now. And the funny thing about this is, my, so my brother lives with my parents and he texted me and he's like, mom is completely obsessed with Bob Saget and I don't think she, re- she really knew who he was before he died. <laughs> I don't think she was a big Bob Saget fan before he passed. And now, she, my brother said she watched his funeral. She watched the live stream of his funeral despite not really knowing who he was. <laughs> she didn't appreciate him in his own time, I guess. I was talking to... Um, one of our producers here at the station, Mr. Fraser Manning, who was a he was a Bob Saget fan, and he had gone to see Bob Saget stand up comedy and stuff. And he said that it was always funny because there would be people that would come to the comedy shows thinking they were getting Danny Tanner, thinking they were getting the guy who hosted America's Funniest Home Videos. But if you know anything about Bob Saget stand up, it was pretty dirty. And he said Manning was saying that people would always you'd always see people leaving in the first few minutes of the set when they realized what they'd gotten themselves into. But Fraser also made a really good point saying that you probably couldn't have that sort of career today in the social media age where you're able to be like two to have two very different public personas like he was you know one of America's TV dads but also this dirty comic on the side because in the social media age someone would post a clip of his dirty comedy from some comedy club and he would likely lose his other two jobs hosting America's funniest home videos or being a you know a wholesome dad on TV on a kids show you couldn't do both of those things today because you would you'd have to drop one of them. There'd be too much backlash. Like you see what this comic said on stage, this joke he made. You can't have him on there. So I think like the age of a Bob Saget is gone and may never come back. The BNS and Twenty Minutes or Less podcast. I don't know how exactly this happened, but sometime over the past couple of years, the clothing brand Carhartt went from being the choice of clothing for farmers, ranchers, and tradespeople. Uh, to being the hipster's choice of clothing. you're like These days you're as likely to see some 20-year-old girl on Instagram who's never been near a tool wearing the brown Carhartt toque as you are to see it on a job site. My wife has one of those toques, right? It's just, it's, it's cool. It's what the young kids are doing these days. But I have some good news for those of you who are hoping to take the brand back. Costco is now, now selling that brown Carhartt toque. And generally, I think Costco is seen as just dad enough. I love Costco clothes. I'm also a dad. I don't know if like 18-year-olds love Costco clothing as much as I do. But now that Costco is carrying that that toque and you're going to start seeing it on even more dads everywhere, maybe that will be enough to ruin it for the young kids. Do you think? Do you think we've... Are, are, are we taking it back here? I hope so. I hope so. Tradespeople need they need their Carhartt back. You've been listening to the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. For House of Cars. Until January 15th, enter to have House of Cars wipe out your debt for free. No strings attached. Visit houseofcarscalgary.com. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at x929.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have BNS and 20 Minutes or Less downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.